0: This episode of Enterprise Security Weekly is brought to you by IT Pro TV, an easy, entertaining approach to online IT training. Access over 2,000 hours of up to date, high quality video content live and on demand for a free seven day trial and 30% off the lifetime of your account. Visit itpro.tv forward slash enterprise security and use the code ES30. In order to deliver the maximum degree of privacy, personal data must be protected without action from an individual. In fact, this requirement is defined in the General Data Protection Regulation, also known as GDPR. What if you could reliably and efficiently build privacy into your information security programs by default? StealthBits technologies provide solutions that allow data to be collected and used in a manner that achieves GDPR compliance. Privacy by design and by default is not just a GDPR requirement. It's the foundation of StealthBits technologies technologies. Visit stealthbits.com to learn more today. Are you worried about PCI compliance? Does your development team understand or care about security? Are you ready to face a breach of your customer sensitive data? See the worst that can happen before it does. Black Hills Information Security can help you help management see the future. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com to find out how a web application penetration test can mitigate the risk before you go live. Welcome back, everyone. A couple of quick announcements. ITPro.TV's courses now include Computer Hacking Forensic Investigator V9, Kali Linux, CompTAA A plus 901, and Accelerated CompTAA Security Plus. Premium annual memberships include all video content, as well as access to virtual labs and Q&A forums. You'd pay $85.70 a month or $857 per year, but we have a special offer for our listeners. For a limited time, get 30% off a monthly membership for the lifetime of your active subscription using the code ES30. I am very excited to bring on Corey Bosden of Tenable. Corey, I I don't know if I ever told you this, but I learned a lot from Corey at Tenable about software uh, development, about security. Um, And um, those of you that don't know Corey, uh, he's really smart, and I learned a lot from him. So not to set the bar too high, Corey, but (laughs) welcome to the show. It's nice to have you.
1: Thank you so much, Paul. I think you flipped that relationship a little bit. I feel like I learned everything oh. from you. <laughs> uh, so let's let's get this bromance going and full
0: That's style. it. That's it. Oh. Um, so, uh, Corey, you've worked in security for a long time. Uh, previously to Tenable, you were at RSA, Qualys, uh, and N-Circle. Um, and you have a lot of experience in the industry, and it's uh, kind of interesting that we're talking about this very new technology, I think, uh, to the enterprise, although it's increasing in adoption. Uh, and that's the impact of containers on enterprise security. It's kind of interesting is we have a smaller-ish software project that we use internally here. Um, and as I look at what's happening with containers, I'm like, is it overkill? And then of course, how do you secure it? And that's the exact topic you want to talk about uh, today. So I guess my first question for you, Corey, is, when you're at this crossroads and you were great at this at tenable, right, you asked why you'd always ask why, and why would I want to start implementing containers for my software deployments
1: yeah, no that's a great question paul and um yeah i've been uh, I've been at this a little while, right as you mentioned i've had I've been at a couple of companies on the vendor side of vulnerability management and before that I was a practitioner, and I remember. Years and years ago, I'll date myself here, right? I was making a build script for Windows NT4 workstations, right? And the idea was that we got really sick of um, every time we had a new employee, this was when I was at Lucent, and they needed a workstation, uh, we had to dedicate somebody in IT to go and install Windows and install the patches and get everything going. And Microsoft had provided a capability to provide a script that would build it the way you want with all the right settings, et cetera. Um, what I just described that happened twenty some years ago, the same thing is happening with DevOps today, right? Developers are being asked to continuously increase their velocity, make sure that they are um, that they are getting as many new capabilities, as many new customer requested items as possible, and they need velocity to do that, and they just can't wait for things like traditional building, traditional staging, et cetera. So that's really what's been driving the whole DevOps movement is they want better velocity. And uh, it's the same I, as... I it,
0: love how I love how whenever we talk about software development, right, when there's a big win, it's always done because of uh, increased productivity and more features, never for security. Is, is security never. is always the third thing, right? <laughs>
1: that is right, never for security. And you know what we've always said, for the last 25 years, we always talk about the fact that, man, if security just had a seat at the table, we could save so many problems. That's what's so unique here, right? DevOps is new enough. I don't think security's ever been in on a new movement this quickly. Uh, And that's really what, you know, security professionals, at least the ones I'm talking to, they're saying, look, this is a fantastic opportunity. We've got a new movement. It's increasing velocity. And these are people who, if if maybe they're not as passionate about security, and don't get me wrong, I meet plenty of developers who are extraordinarily passionate about Mm. security. But um, even if they weren't, they're asking, how do I do this in a secure fashion? And uh, for once, security's got to see at the table as something's hitting. So that's really why there's so much interest in containers, especially in our part of the industry. Is it's a chance to actually make an impact up front and make sure that as we roll out this really exciting high-velocity world, um, we're doing it in a secure way?
0: Right. Um, how has the response been to uh, performance uh, with respects to containers, is, is that just like a, a configuration thing? W- when I looked at it, I was, you know, being from the old school ID background, I'm like, no, I want my operating system to run like on the CPU on the hardware. I'm kind of nervous about putting all the stuff inside of a container.
1: Yeah, I, you know, honestly, um, I think we're we're so um, we're so much at the beginning of this movement that people are thinking about it, but not um, not really in depth, right? If you do a container perfectly, the way that containers really designed, a container should be extraordinarily lightweight with the tiniest amount required to actually run the application it needs. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, though, what I find going out and talking with customers, a lot of people are really excited about getting into containers, but the containers mostly look like virtual machines these days. They're right. still pretty heavy. they got a lot of OS. And so I think um, people are figuring out how do containers work and why is Docker different or better? Uh, than something like a VMware environment. And the next step, Paul, will be, now, uh, here's what I used to be able to tune, and let me figure out what uh, what I'm gaining or what I'm losing or what new tricks I have to actually squeeze every last bit of performance out of it.
0: Right. As a security practitioner, you know I, I get concerned when I look at the container model. And I say, wow, that means people can deploy security exposures like more quickly and efficiently if it's not done right and it's kind of frightening (laughs) to me
1: yeah it is and um i hopefully i will not be too much of a pollyanna on this right but uh the flip side of that is also true right um containers they give you the ability to very quickly get patches fixes and um and and really remediate security issues um as quickly as possible right i mean i I've, I've been on the vendor side for 11 years. I think when I started, uh, whenever I looked at statistics, it normally took somewhere along the lines of 30 days for people to apply a patch from once mm-hmm. it was detected, and it might take 30 days to even detect it. Um, now you know, 15 years later, I think we're down to 29 days, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so uh, it, you and I both know an attacker, 29 days is uh, enough time where they can take a two week vacation in there. So, um, yeah, you can put a lot of security problems into your environment really quickly. The good news is uh, you can hopefully fix security problems just as quickly. The key is for us as security professionals to help people make sure they're doing the latter and not the former.
0: Now, when we talk about uh, containers, and I'm by no means an an expert in this, I'm learning like most of the rest of us uh, in IT and in security, right? Um, Docker is the technology that actually creates the container. However... You need some other kind of technology that configures your Docker instances uh, and helps you deploy them. So what options are out there and what uh, impact to security uh, do they have?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And it really, it does require a different bit of thinking. Um, And I'm actually going to jump ahead to what I think we want the desired state to be, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, and again, sorry to go all retro on you, but effectively – a registry, or repository is like uh, when you and I started, it's like a shareware download site, right? <laughs> you don't know what you're getting out of it, but that's really all it is. It's holding images. It's holding container images that are ready to uh, be turned into actual running containers. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's, um, that's a fine way to work it. But really... If you do it right, what you want to do is you want to make sure that the things that are going into that registry are actually clean Mm -hmm. and don't have problems. And when, you know, world changes, we have a new vulnerability, a zero day, what have you, that if there are things in there that are affected, ideally, you want to fix them right away. But at a bare minimum, you want to stop people from pulling those things down. Say, hey, this container, although I know you're trying to do a pull request on it, we found critical vulnerabilities in it, so we're blocking the pull request, ask, ask the owner to update it. That's really where we want to jump. And so in that case, some of the build tools like Travis, like Shippable, like Bamboo, um, that's where I know a tenable we're focusing. We want to check into the registry and see what's in there and let you know if there are problems. But we also want to hook into those build tools so that as things go in and are ready for people to pull them, we know they're clean. And if they're not clean, we can prevent them from getting pulled down.
0: So in a uh, like traditional lamp environment, right? Although that that model's quickly changing to other databases and web servers and, and application servers. Um, when you uh, you install software inside of the container, and I'm assuming that creates a registry, and then vulnerability scanning tools like Tenable will look inside that registry and tell you, hey, you've got a container, you know, deployed over here, and it's got these vulnerabilities. Is that essentially the high level?
1: Yeah, I think I describe it a little bit differently. Um, let me make sure I, uh, or let me just restate the way I normally do it. I talked about this at the RSA conference and I'll be doing a similar presentation at Gartner. What I tell people is it's helpful to think of uh, you know, your developers have tools to build things. I think of them the same way as I think of Microsoft Word. They're working on a file and then they save that file when they think the file is ready or they're ready to share it, they copy that file to a share, uh, and then other people can download it, view it, etc. Containers are about the same thing. Developers are working on container images uh, in their IDEs. When they are ready, they push those images, the equivalent of that file, into a registry, right? And so the registry is storing All versions, uh, they're called layers, uh, right? It stores the most recent version, all the layers uh, built together of that container so that you've got a container image that's ready for people to pull. I actually mangled the terminology a little bit there, but it's close enough. And then when people, they pull it down, they instantiate that container image. Mm -hmm. They turn it into an actual running item. Um, I think that may have been what you were saying. uh, Yes. I just wanted to restate that.
0: Awesome. So then how do we uh, get into this environment and actually do some analysis as to the security both from a configuration management side and from an actual software vulnerability side?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So um, when when containers first started uh, showing up and a couple of years ago when I was at RSA, we would see some of the early pioneers like Twistlock or, or Flawcheck, which is what uh, mm-hmm. uh, we decided to acquire at Tenable. Um, it was very much, uh, you know, they were thinking about, hey, you have a registry out there. We'll scan that registry and we'll give you a report telling you what the problems were, which is not a bad way to highlight visibility and tell people what's in there. But, it, you know, it doesn't really tell you that much. It, it starts to look like the stereotypical equivalent of the vulnerability management guy giving you the 600-page PDF. Yeah. Um, so what, um, what has happened is that now tools like uh, Tenable I.O. Container Security, they actually are incorporated into the build process so that when a developer is doing a compile of an image, um, checking it for vulnerabilities, looking for malware, looking for known uh, vulnerable third-party libraries, looking for, uh, you know, programmatic flaws, things like that. Uh, it's done at compile time. They get an error in their uh, build and they, they, they can fix. Or... Um, you know, maybe just warnings go up, but then, when it's pushed, it's already been scanned. And that's not bad. That makes sure that things going into the registry are clean. Um, then you normally have some sort of periodic looking into those container images um, to make sure you know if new vulnerabilities are published today. You need to know if they actually impact those. So you then have this, uh, this process of periodically looking in the registry, what's in there, and let me reassess things that I know were clean when they were pushed in, but maybe uh, the world has changed. That applies not only to vulnerabilities, but also to configuration settings uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know any system setting, really.
0: You know, that's interesting, Corey. I'm I'm trying to be careful here uh, with with Tenable's products. But in in working at Tenable, right, um, and as I evaluated similar solutions and researched other solutions, I kind of looked at it as a, a gap where identifying previously known vulnerabilities in open source components, no one really did a good job of that. And all these companies started springing up. And I'm like, well, you have to go acquire this whole other solution which they aren't bad, right? To go look for open source vulnerabilities. But that can be really hard. I mean, there's a lot of open source code out there. Um, I mean, just JavaScript libraries alone could be a rat hole. Um, so how, does, how do we do that today? And, and how does Tenable uh, play into that? Because you kind of touched upon that. Yeah,
1: that's great, and and um, I, I don't want to sound like a complete tenable shill. So I do want to point out there are right there are a lot of good companies out there. I mentioned Twistlock before. Black Duck's really mm-hmm. good. Yep. Uh, there are a lot of solutions out there. What we find attainable is that our customers who are already using uh, our solutions for scanning traditional infrastructure, for scanning public cloud, what they're saying is, look. Uh, it's not that they want a single pane of glass, but they do want one place where it doesn't matter what type of asset it is. Ooh. If it's traditional infrastructure, if it's new um, you know, public cloud, if it's something like OT or IoT, or if it's a container, they want it all in one place. And so when um, that was the approach we took with Tenable I.O. Uh, is we said, let's, uh, let's incorporate container security into the IO platform so that it doesn't matter if I'm looking at container that's got the latest CVE or if I'm looking at Corey's laptop that was scanned. It's a consistent view for practitioners, which doesn't mean um, that there aren't going to be customers who are going to have something like our container security running right alongside a black duck. Mm-hmm. Um, and and actually, there are many use cases where that makes a lot of sense. but. Um, our, our approach, and I think what I've heard consistently through the years when it was first you know laptops dialing in and then iPhones all of a sudden, what security was always trying to do was give me visibility. Let me at least understand what I have out there. And then I'll figure out how to assess it. Um, And that's the approach we're taking is we want to make sure you have all your visibility in one place. And then, you know, we hope you're going to use tenable tools to do the assessment, but we're going to be really good partners with the other tools you may choose as well.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a really smart place, especially on the application side, to apply security. I know from my own experience, use the JavaScript library as an example. Like, I know I have vulnerable JavaScript libraries, but... To configure, even write from scratch, a scanner that would go find that vulnerability, like I, it's it, to get the application to trigger that. I have to have a really deep understanding of the application in order to trigger that vulnerability. So identifying it in in the code library before it even goes into production is the right place.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. you know, a great example is something like AWS Inspector, right? AWS Inspector does a lot of the same things Tenable does. Uh, it does them well, and it does them at a great price point. It's a great starting point. Um, we have a lot of customers who use both. They use that, but they also use our products because even though Inspector gives them a quick way to do things. They're looking for all that visibility in one place. And so that's that's where we think our solution fits in. Um, not to necessarily say thou shalt not use anything else, but security professionals, we're getting a seat at the table. Let's mm-hmm. pull it into the practices and the tools we already have that we know work.
0: Um, how have you seen uh, the adoption of containers uh, go in you know, obviously there's different drivers, but I feel like a lot of people are hesitant. You know, what are some of those top reasons and what can you say to convince people that containers is the way to go?
1: I think a lot of people are hesitant. I will say it uh, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of uh, adoption of cloud mm-hmm. or prior to that uh, mobile, right? I, I will never forget my um, my IT director at, uh, at Encircle said, we will never use iPhones for corporate email, right? Mm-hmm. This is 2008. Um, the fact of the matter is you do. Um, a lot of companies are, are wondering, right? Um, they're wondering what do containers do for me? Should I be considering containers? The reality is developers have deadlines. Developers are looking for higher velocity. It's already out there, just like AWS mm-hmm. uh, subscriptions were before. Uh, the technology is easy it's functional, and it delivers a lot of value. So, um, you know, what we're finding is that the really forward-thinking companies, that's amazing, right? I talk to airlines, I talk to retailers, Companies that you would think are as traditional as traditional can be have wholeheartedly adopted DevOps and continuous integration or continuous deployment, and so they're all in on containers. Um, other companies are saying, "Well, you know, we're considering it," uh, but then when you talk with their security professionals, they're saying, "Well." Whether management's considering or not, we already know, you know, we found uh, 500 Docker hosts out in our environment, so, um, you know, that's the case where, I again, yeah, tying it back to the beginning, what we were talking about, we have an opportunity in security to actually sit at the table. Um, I, the really forward-thinking people, I think, are, are finding a way to sit down in that chair rather than um, spending time wondering if, it, uh, if it's really
0: important to be there or not. Right. Um. Uh, how do you balance the the different ways that you've talked about scanning, Corey? And I, I know that some people already feel overwhelmed with vulnerability results, but now, no. you know, they're getting insights to the endpoint, they're scanning on the network, they're scanning on the web application, they're inside of the container, they're in the container before it's even deployed and instantiated. How, how do you manage all of these vulnerabilities?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point, Matt. That that's a downside to visibility, right? <laughs> uh, visibility will end up generating a pile of data, and and to be honest, even if you have limited visibility, uh, all the customers I meet they have far more vulnerabilities and issues than they're ever yeah. going to hope to patch, right? So um, you've got to you've got to prioritize, um, and that's again, this is where. Um, I think the successful approach is to pull everything together. You've got web app, you've got uh, web app vulnerabilities, traditional infrastructure, public cloud, container, you name it, they're all in one place. And you can then use a variety of attributes. Tell me, is something exploitable? Is it out in the wild? Is it on my manufacturing floor uh, with uh, you know equipment that actually is directly responsible for generating revenue? Um, is it something that uh, an auditor or regulator is going to be looking at? And you use that to filter it down to the you know, manageable set of work you can do today. Uh, And that, by the way, that's not always patching, right? Sometimes that's finding mitigating control, sometimes it's transferring Mm. the risk. Uh, But people who look at it, and and this is where as an industry, right, we've done a disservice. I know when I was a customer, and even for the first five years, I was in the vulnerability management industry, right? It was kind of held up as patch your way to security, get to zero vulnerabilities. There's no getting to zero vulnerabilities. There never was, Uh, but the acknowledgement here is you need to be aware of what's there and we need to be able to pivot on it. So if you find out that the vulnerability you had been ignoring is suddenly really crucial, maybe you're being targeted, maybe something has changed, uh, maybe the assets it's on have changed, um, it shows up in that focused, filtered view that you're using to manage your day-to-day work.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, Corey, as I talk to enterprises, about vulnerability management today. One of the themes that I've noticed over the past year and a half is when people go to prioritize all of their vulnerabilities and exposures, they run into a lot of issues and they can't tie the data owners or the application owners, they can't uh, set a severity level for themselves based on their risk level, based on their mitigating controls. Uh, How are people doing that today? In my assessment is a lot of people have built their own tools to do it, and the ones that are most successful have their own customized uh, tool to do it. What's available on the, the market today? How does Tenable help? How do other vendors help with this problem? Yeah,
1: um, I, I have a joke I will make here. I make it all the time, which is if Microsoft ever decided to shut down Excel, the security industry yeah. would go out of business because that really is um, how a lot of people still drive their prioritization. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? That's that's a failure on our part. But when you look at what they do, um, they do a couple of things, right? They take information about the vulnerabilities, like is it exploitable, is it out in the wild, is malware already using it? They take information that they can glean about the asset. Is it in a subnet? I know it's a data center Mm -hmm. subnet. Does the host name have the word finance in it? Uh, Things like that. And they use those abilities in their Excel spreadsheets to do pivot tables or to highlight rows. a lot of tools, right? When I was at RSA, our Archer tool was really good at this. Uh, mm-hmm. Here at Tenable, really good at this. But there are other solutions out there that are good at it as well. And in fact, containers build this in from the get-go, the notion of um, essentially using tagging to say, right. let me put a sticky note on, is this important? Let me put a sticky note on, do I care about this vulnerability? And then match all those together so that real quickly, you're just using... Um, Sometimes APIs, sometimes automation, what have you to put those kind of indicators on, here are the things I care about. Now find the intersection of all the things I care about. And that list is probably still going to be bigger than I can work on. But that's what a lot of people are doing. And most of the tools, uh, Tenable included, um, provide a good way to let you do that, so that if you feel overwhelmed, you know you can make a simple binary. Maybe I'll say, I only care about things that I know have server OSes. And so I'll quickly tag things that are server OS and start there. Mm. Um, by the way, it's not what I recommend. That's yeah. security practice. you got to start somewhere, though. <laughs> you got to
0: start somewhere. But I, I like right. your tie back to containers as well because it's getting ahead of the problem. Uh, and adding those tags to containers I think really helps with this issue uh, as you apply those tags before you're deploying it, um, not after you're deploying it and guessing where, where things might be. I like that approach uh, a lot. I think it speaks to how containers are going to really help.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, that was one of the neatest things when I started learning about containers, recognizing that they had built in the kind of metadata bits that um, we've always tried to extract out of traditional infrastructure. So, uh, again, it's a fantastic opportunity. We're at the table up front, and the tools are there to actually help us secure these
0: things. In speaking of tools, I have to—I have you on the phone. I have to ask you this because when we worked together at Tenable, we didn't really talk much about security orchestration, and I feel like that's an emerging trend. Um, in fact, before all this ransomware stuff uh, surfaced to the, you know—came to the surface, I really thought that security orchestration was going to be the big buzz uh, at RSA because we're seeing so many vendors implement this, this functionality. Um, what advice do you have, and how does it play into vulnerability and patch management?
1: Yeah, that, that's actually great. Um, I do think security orchestration is getting its day in the sun right now. I know uh, from where I sit at Tenable, and this was even true previously when I was at Qualys, um Customers were asking, how do I use your API? How do I automate this? How do I do patching, et cetera? Um, And people are very interested. So we see a lot of activity in our APIs. We see a lot of requests from people. Pull data out and help me orchestrate. Mm -hmm. Um, We're approached by companies like Phantom to actually make it happen. Mm -hmm. Having said that, um, it may be a little late, right? Uh, Because... Orchestration is really crucial when I need to go out and I need to apply patches to, you know, 500 uh, Fedora systems that I'm using. But when I'm using containers, um, I just need to know that the container image needs to be updated. I update them and then the same tools that um, made uh, containers possible, right? The the build tools. Mm. they automate the process of terminating all the vulnerable instances and firing up new ones. So things like Kubernetes, et cetera, mm-hmm. make all that happen. Um, that's probably where orchestration is heading is DevOps is by definition orchestration. orchestration. Yeah. And so having security in there uh, means say, you don't worry about how do I automate pushing out a patch. You simply say, hey, got a build that needs to be refreshed and instances that need to be uh, retired.
0: And, of course, I can't let you go until you talk about the roadmap uh, for Tenable products (laughs) and what you can say. uh, Maybe what's recently been uh, released out to customers, if you could update us, that'd be great.
1: I can. In fact, um, uh, it's very fortuitous. Uh, I'm on today. Um, today, June 1st, we just announced the general availability of our container security solution. That's our nice. first new solution on the um, Tenable I.O. platform after vulnerability management. We've got web application scanning. is also currently in an open beta with a GA, hopefully at the end of this month. Okay. And then we've got some really exciting stuff coming um, that um, we are talking about publicly. Um, we're continuing to expand the capability of our agents. Mm -hmm. We are continuing to add on uh, new policy and compliance capabilities, including some exciting updates to our PCI. So we spent... um I think even uh, when you and I worked together, Paul, it was a long haul where we started the notion of creating this tenable I.O. platform. We released it earlier this year, and now we're starting to see some of the benefits of being able to deliver a lot more uh, products, capabilities, and most importantly, solutions to our customers. Visibility on things like OT uh, with our um, Nessus Network Monitor uh, release that happened today as well.
0: Nice. Now, when you talk about endpoints, uh, the agent, from what I understand still today, is focused on vulnerability uh, management. Do you see it going outside of the scope of vulnerability management uh, in any time in the future?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, We get asked a lot by our customers for that, and they're very interested in things. Um, To be honest, our, our agent, actually, while it definitely is heavily used for vulnerability management. It also has configuration compliance capabilities built in, can assess things like CIS benchmarks and such, uh, can detect malware. Customers are asking us for more. They're mm-hmm. asking for things like file integrity monitoring, not, not a full blown thing like you might get out of other solutions, but some lightweight understanding of what's changing on the system. They're asking us for performance profiling and a variety of other things. So yeah, we're spending a lot of work. Um, our customers have been seeing a lot of updates to agents as we make sure that they're capable of expanding the set of use cases they can handle. But um, for today, uh, a lot of people are just really happy to have an agent that will tell them, you know, what build problems or what vulnerability problems do I have on these systems that before, you know, I didn't have any hope of getting visibility
0: into. Right. Awesome. Well, Corey, thank you so much for appearing on Enterprise Security Weekly. It's been a lot of fun. It was great catching up with you. Uh, I learned a lot from our conversation, so thank you so much.
1: I appreciate it, Paul. It's great seeing you, and I'll look forward to talking to you next time.
0: And that concludes this edition of Enterprise Security Weekly. We'll see everyone next time.